1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1. And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel in the month of Ziv, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord. You know, the Bible is so specific about times, places, names. It's one of the greatest historical documents ever written, and it proves itself to be true because of all the detail that's so specific. We know the exact day that Noah started building the ark, the day that he went into the ark, the day that he came out of the ark. We know the day that Solomon started building the temple, and it, with the genealogy, it gives us the names of everybody, and then it gives us how long each man lived and how old each man was when he had his first son. And then it gave us the years that the judges reigned. And then it gives us the years that the kings reigned. So we end up knowing with a lot of precision when Christ was born. And that's because of the truth of the scripture, that it's so truthful that it contains all of these accurate details. You don't see that in the Quran or in the Mormon Bible Two, and the house which King Solomon built for the Lord, the length thereof was threescore cubits, and the breadth thereof twenty cubits, and the height thereof thirty cubits. A cubit is about a foot and a half. This was a rectangular shaped temple. The long side of it was sixty cubits. That's ninety feet long. Three, and the porch before the temple of the house, twenty cubits was the length thereof, according to the breadth of the house, and ten cubits was the breadth thereof before the house. So the porch in front of the temple, it was 20 cubits deep and 10 cubits wide. Four, and for the house he made windows broad within and narrow without. This means the windows were wider on the inside than the outside. If you're looking from the outside at the temple, the windows are thin slits. But if you're inside the temple looking at a window, it does have a thin slit where the light comes through, but a very wide opening, which will help the light diffuse into the room. Now the inside of the temple is going to be inlaid with solid gold, so you're going to see this light coming through a slim window, but it's going to diffuse widely because of the wide opening around the window and it's going to diffuse onto gold. Imagine when the sunlight came through those windows and shined on the golden walls in the temple. That must have been incredible. 5. And against the wall of the house he built a side structure round about, against the walls of the house round about, both of the temple and of the sanctuary, and he made side chambers round about. There were chambers and quarters on the sides of the temple, and these were places where ministers could go do things and where people could even sleep. People who worked closely in the temple, some of them could sleep there. 6. The nethermost story of the side structure was five cubits broad, and the middle was six cubits broad, and the third was seven cubits broad. There were three floors on this side structure where there were rooms, like offices and rooms. It's broader the higher you go. The bottom floor is five cubits broad, and the top floor is seven cubits broad. For on the outside he made rebatements in the wall of the house round about that the beams should not have hold in the walls of the house. This was to hide support beams within the wall so that you wouldn't see support beams when you were inside the temple. That's why on the side compartments where you had offices and rooms, the top compartment was wider than the bottom compartment so that they could hide supporting pillars.
7. For the house, when it was in building, was built of stone, made ready at the quarry, and there was neither hammer nor axe nor any tool of iron heard in the house while it was in building. They didn't want the cacophonic sound of hammering and chiseling at the temple site. Because of God's holiness and beauty, they didn't want that cacophonic banging and hammering going on for months and months at his temple site. They made all the noise at the quarry, and they chiseled the stones there, and then they transported the stones already chiseled. That's really beautiful, too, that they didn't want noise at God's temple. 8. The door for the lowest row of chambers was in the right side of the house, and they went up by winding stairs into the middle row and out of the middle into the third. In order to go from floor to floor in the chamber area on the sides, you would go up a winding staircase, and how beautiful that must have been. 9. So he built the house and finished it and covered the house with planks of cedar over beams. 10. And he built the stories of the side structure against all the house, each five cubits high, and they rested on the house with timber of cedar. He did use precious stones as foundation, but it's not one solid foundation like in Revelation with God's temple. These were blocks of precious stone that they cut at the quarry, and then they hauled them to the temple site, and then they put them together in order to make the foundation. And then on top of that, they built the cedar temple. Now they're going to inlay and outlay the entire thing with solid gold. But within that gold is going to be cedar 10. And he built the stories of the side structure against all the house, each five cubits high, and they rested on the house with timber of cedar. 11. And the word of the Lord came to Solomon, saying, 12. As for this house which thou art building, if thou wilt walk in my statutes and execute mine ordinances, and keep all my commandments to walk in them, then will I establish my word with thee, which I spoke unto David thy father. God is promising him and warning him, If you keep all my commandments, I will keep all my promises that I spoke to your father, that your kingdom will never end. But of course, if Solomon breaks the commandments, then his kingdom will come to an end. And sadly, Solomon does later on become a great sinner and break God's commandments. 13. In that I will dwell therein among the children of Israel, and will not forsake my people Israel. 14. So Solomon built the house and finished it. You might ask, how can somebody so wise end up being so stupid in the end and lose it all? He started out really wise, and then he ended up sinning against the Lord. And this is because wisdom and knowledge are two different things. God gave Solomon both wisdom and knowledge. But wisdom you have to use. In other words, it requires action for it to be complete. Knowledge is simply when you know a lot of things, and there's a lot of people who know a lot of things, but they have no wisdom. Wisdom is when you do what's right, so it requires action. A lot of people know what's right, but they won't do it, and so they're unwise, and they get into a lot of trouble in their lives because they don't do what is wise. Wisdom is not only knowing the right thing to do, but acting it out. And that's what makes you a wise person, is because you actually do what, what is correct. Solomon was given wisdom to know what to do, and he was given knowledge also. But in the end, he eventually stopped doing what he knew that he should do. He abandoned wisdom on his own. And any of us can do that. When I was really young, I was very wise. I always obeyed my parents. I obeyed God. I did what the Bible said that we're supposed to do. But then when I became 
a young adult, I lost my wisdom and I started doing really stupid things. And that was when the Lord showed me that wisdom requires action. Simply knowing right from wrong isn't wisdom. That's only knowledge. But if you do the right thing, then you're wise. 15. And he built the walls of the house within the boards of cedar. From the floor of the house under the joists of the ceiling, he covered them on the inside with wood, and he covered the floor of the house with boards of cypress. They're walking on cypress, but they're really walking on gold because it's going to get inlaid with gold. But under that is cypress, but the walls are cedar. 16. And he built 20 cubits on the hinder part of the house with boards of cedar from the floor under the joists. He even built them for himself within for a sanctuary, even for the most holy place. On the back side of the temple are more compartments made of cedar, and it's a sanctuary, the most holy place. That's where the Ark of the Covenant will go. 17. And the house that is the temple before the sanctuary was 40 cubits long. 18. And the cedar on the house within was carved with knops and open flowers. All was cedar. There was no stone seen. The entire house above the foundation is all made of cedar, but the floor is cypress. The knops and flowers are on the candlestick which the Israelites have had for a long time, because God had them make it a long time ago. Now Solomon is putting knops and flowers within the house, decorating the house that way, the temple. 19. And he prepared the sanctuary in the midst of the house within, to set there the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. 20. And before the sanctuary, which was twenty cubits in length, and twenty cubits in breadth, and twenty cubits in the height thereof, overlaid with pure gold, he set an altar which he covered with cedar. The whole sanctuary is filled with gold, overlaid with gold, and he also has an altar in there that is made of cedar. 21. So Solomon overlaid the house within with pure gold. This is everything. This is where you walk. This is the walls all the way to the windows. This is the ceiling. Everything was gold. And he drew chains of gold across the wall before the sanctuary, and he overlaid it with gold. The wall has carvings of angels and other things on it to decorate it. It sounds like he also decorated it with a chain that was carved on it. 22. And the whole house he overlaid with gold until all the house was finished. Also the whole altar that belonged to the sanctuary he overlaid with gold. That cedar altar is overlaid with gold and the outside of the temple is overlaid of gold. This is a gold building. It's gold on the inside, and it's gold on the outside. There's never been a building like this before or since. There are some palaces in Russia that have a lot of gold, but they're not solid gold. They have gold designs in them, and they're very beautiful. But this temple of the Lord was gold on the inside and the outside. 23. And in the sanctuary he made two cherubim of olive wood, each ten cubits high. The cherubim would be angels with wings. Not all angels have wings, because a lot of the messengers who come to earth, they don't have wings, but cherubim do. The cherubim are attendants at God's throne. Ten cubits is about 15 feet high. These are just images that are drawn 15 feet high of angels. 24. And five cubits was the one wing of the cherub, and five cubits the other wing of the cherub, meaning their wing expanse was ten cubits. From the uppermost part of the one wing unto the uppermost part of the other were ten cubits. 25. And the other cherub was ten cubits. Both the cherubim were of one measure and one form. There's two cherubim carved on the wall, 
and they're overlaid with gold, and they both have a wing expanse of 10 cubits, and they're side by sides, and their wings are touching. This must have been really beautiful to see. Now there's also the two cherubim that are over the Ark of the Covenant, and they're much smaller, and they're made in three-dimensional form, and their wings are going across the Ark of the Covenant and touching each other. 26. The height of the one cherub was ten cubit, and so was it of the other cherub. 27. And he set the cherubim within the inner house, and the wings of the cherubim were stretched forth, so that the wing of the one touched the one wall, and the wing of the other touched the other wall, and their wings touched one another in the midst of the house. Both of their wings touched in the center of the wall, and on the outsides of the wall was each of their outside wings touching. 28. And he overlaid the cherubim with gold. 29. And he carved all the walls of the house round about with carved figures of cherubim and palm trees and open flowers within and without. A lot of people believe that the Ten Commandments says that we can't have any images whatsoever, but the Bible shows us that God commanded the Israelites to make images for the tabernacle. And Solomon also made images according to that same pattern in the temple, and it was not considered a sin at all. In fact, it glorified God, and God did dwell in that temple. We are allowed to make images, but we cannot make images that we worship, which is what the Ten Commandments says, that you cannot make a graven image and worship it. It's not a sin to make an image, but it is a sin to worship the image. These images that are in the tabernacle and the temple are actually used to glorify, exalt, and worship the Lord. Because he made angels, he made palm trees, he made pomegranates. All the things in there are things that God made, and they all symbolize something. The Israelites came to a place that had 70 palm trees and 12 wells when they first left Egypt. The temple is decorated with palm trees. Each palm tree represents one of the original 70 people who came to Egypt with Joseph's family. 30. And the floor of the house was overlaid with gold within and without. 31. And for the entrance of the sanctuary he made doors of olive wood, the doorposts within the frame having five angles. These aren't regular rectangle-shaped doors. They have five angles on them. They're very beautiful, ornate, with kind of a curving look to them, but it's an angular curve. 32. And as for the two doors of olive wood, he carved upon them carvings of cherubim and palm trees and open flowers, and overlaid them with gold, and he spread the gold upon the cherubim and upon the palm trees. It sounds like the whole building is overlaid and inlaid with gold, but wherever there's carvings, he does an extra layer of gold so that it kind of stands out. Or else the carving itself is standing out, and then with the gold on it, it really stands out. 33. So also made he for the entrance of the temple doorposts of olive wood within a frame four square. There are doorposts that have a frame. Olive represents peace, and when we are forgiven of our sins, we have peace with God. That's what this olive wood represents, and it's used for the doors, which is interesting because you cannot approach God unless you're at peace with Him. So it shows that when you come in the doors, you're coming in peace, meaning that He has forgiven your sins, and that's very beautiful. The cypress wood is extremely hard and long-lasting, and that's why they used the cypress wood for the floor. 34. And two doors of cypress wood and two leaves of the one door were folding, and the two leaves of the other door were folding. 
This is beautiful. These are doors that fold open, kind of like a folding closet door, except that these are incredibly gorgeous. Solid gold with all the beautiful carvings, beautifully designed. 35, and he carved thereon cherubim and palm trees and open flowers, and he overlaid them with gold fitted upon the graven work. I wonder if those open flowers are almond blossoms, because it doesn't say they are, but it would make sense if they are, because almond means anointed or chosen, and that represents the priesthood, and Jesus is our great high priest who was anointed and chosen to be our priest. 36, and he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams. 37. In the fourth year was the foundation of the house of the Lord laid, in the month Ziv. 35. And in the eleventh year, in the month Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in building it. It took seven years to make this temple, and today we couldn't make it at all. There's no way we could make something this beautiful today. And that concludes First Kings chapter 6.